I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. I'm Polly Campbell. Thanks for joining me. You know, I think one way of doing all three of these things, living well, doing good, and being happy, is to focus on what we are contributing, what we are giving to others, the energy, the resources, the time. How can we be a good contributor? Research shows that it's the givers who get the biggest bang when they donate, volunteer, support others, give to the causes they care about. We get a helper's high. Our biochemistry actually changes. Our brains activate in a way that releases endorphins and good feelings throughout our body. It makes us more relaxed. It makes us feel good and more connective. And we also get to help so many others when we do that. This time of year, though, there are so many ways to give. So many things we're hearing about, toy drives and fundraising events. There's tons of people in need this year, maybe more than ever before. I think it's important that we take care of each other, but how we do that, how we could get the most bang for our charitable giving and our time and energy, that's something that we need to learn about a little bit and research and explore. And today I get to do that with Chris Benninger, the CEO and the president of Guide Dogs for the Blind. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Polly. It's really nice to be here today. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what Guide Dogs for the Blind does. Sure. Um, let me just start by how I got into the nonprofit world, because I started in the for-profit world. And you know, I spent um, 15 years working for Hewlett Packard, which is a fantastic company. But what I really missed at Hewlett Packard is essentially the heart of um, doing something every single day that truly makes a difference in someone's life um, versus putting more money in the pockets of shareholders. Mm. So um, I made a switch about 25 years ago and into nonprofit work. And I've never looked back. I've never missed the corporate world. And I'll say that nonprofit work oftentimes is, um, I work harder than I ever <laughs> have worked before. Um, I, I will say that it can be very hard at times. But every single day, I feel that I'm making a difference for others. And I think, as you said in your opening remarks, it fuels my soul. And it really does make a difference in my life knowing that I'm doing that. So that's a little of the journey that brought me to nonprofit work. Um, I've been at Guide Dogs for the Blind now for uh, nearly seven years. I feel honored to be a part of this team because uh, the mission of Guide Dogs is about giving independence to individuals um, who are blind or visually impaired. And when you think about it, independence is something each one of us wants. We all wanna be able to live our lives the way that we um, want to live our lives. We wanna do the things that you know, feed our soul 
and we don't necessarily want to have to completely rely on others for for us to be able to do that so th that's the mission of guide dogs and and we do that through the use of these amazingly trained dogs that are um not only um not only help our clients um, travel safely, but they're that companion who is a soulmate, who uh, gives one confidence, who's a bridge to the community, um, provides so many things in an individual's life. I like that you said that the bridge to confidence because because it is scary to be in the world no matter what situation we're facing, right? And then you have this warm, well-trained creature that can give you that independence, but but also stick there with you. Plus, they're adorable because I see pictures. And yes. <laughs> they're awesome. <laughs> they are. They are. And, you know, the interesting thing about a guide dog versus a cane, well, there's so many differences. But one of them is that when, when you have a visual impairment um, and can't connect through sight, because basically that's how we relate to people, we connect through sight. When you can't do that, one feels very isolated. And oftentimes if you are traversing the world with a cane, people are trying to get out of your way and avoid you and feel a little uncomfortable sometimes talking to you. And so, um, but with a guide dog, you're, you are a magnet. Everybody <laughs> wants to talk to you, right? Because you've got this amazing dog at your side. And as one of our graduates says, I just love her. What she says is that every time I walk into the room with my guide dog, I am the most popular person there. And, you know, and so, it really helps with that isolation. So that connection you know, guide dog is so many things. How does it work? It's a very uh, long and um, I would say complicated process. So what, yes, we train the dogs and yes, we train the people and we train the both of those together. But you know, it starts with the fact that we have our own breeding colony because the creation of, of a guide dog actually starts at the DNA level and we are breeding in the specific traits that are needed in a service dog. Hmm. We start training our dogs at three days of age. We have um, our dogs at 10 weeks of age go to puppy raisers. We have 2000 puppy raisers in the 10 Western states where they learn their house skills and how to um, be appropriate in public. And then they come back to one of our campuses. We have a campus in Oregon and one in California where they are trained with their specific guiding skills. Hmm. And then our um, clients were, you know, as, as, as our dogs are being trained, um, we are in the process of working with our clients and figuring out the right kind of match that is, is going to be needed because every, every dog is different and every person is different as to what their needs are and capabilities are. Um, and then our clients are brought to one of our campuses where they live with us. Um, we have essentially hotels on each of our campuses where they live with us for two weeks and train with their guide dogs. And um, 
then our clients graduate. We um, have staff that follow up with our clients on a regular basis to make certain that, you know, the partnership is working well and to work out any kinks. And um, guide dogs also, I, I should say that all of our services are free, including lifelong veterinary care for our dogs. Wow. Um, you know, not only throughout their guiding life, but after they retire as well. So. Oh, wow. So, so I'm imagining this is not only a lot of people power and staff power. This takes a lot of money. This takes a lot of resources and time, right? It takes um, a lot of resources and it does take a lot of time and it takes a very large community to do this work. And it's a large community of both staff and volunteers. We have, you know, uh, nearly 5,000 volunteers who support the work that we do at Guide Dogs and are critical to the work that we do at Guide Dogs because we could not do it without our extended community. Has it been harder this year to get the donations you needed through your fundraisers to get the volunteer help because of the pandemic and the shutdowns? Has it been trickier to coordinate all that? It has been trickier to coordinate all that. It's been trickier for a couple of reasons. You know, we continue to operate and we continue to train, but um, because of COVID and because of the shutdowns, we, uh, we cannot have visitors on our campus. Mm. So we no longer have public graduations. So actually seeing the mission is harder for people um, it becomes very difficult to physically meet with a donor because, again, you know, of COVID. So we've, we've had to be creative in how we're able to, you know, show the world, you know, our mission and who we are and what we do and involve, you know, our donors. So it has, it has been a challenge, I will say that. When we are out here listening to you and thinking about where to put our money in the next 12 months, now and in the next 12 months, and, and everybody, you know, people need our help this year, individuals and schools and guide dogs for the blind and all these resources that help us take care of one another. So I want you to keep that in mind while Chris is talking today, because we need to be smart about where we put our time and our money. Chris, what are some things out here we need to think about before we just give over, write a check? How, how do we evaluate the best bang for our buck as a donor? Yeah, and, and I think that that's really a, a wonderful question because there's lots and lots and lots of, you know, nonprofits out there. Um, and um, I always say you first need to start with a mission that really speaks to you. You know, um, not every single nonprofit mission is going to speak to each one of us. So start with a nonprofit mission, you know, a nonprofit that really speaks to you. Um, I think it's really important once you find that is that you really start to look into, you know, operations and where the money actually goes and how it's spent. And is the donor dollar being effectively used in the execution of the mission? Hmm. 
If it's a local nonprofit, I really suggest that you visit that nonprofit so that you can physically see how the nonprofit is working. Um, that's harder right now. I, I you know, will say that, but we're not always going to be in COVID. Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, um, different evaluation sites. Uh, Charity Navigator is an excellent one that actually ranks, um, does a lot of fiscal evaluation of nonprofits and will rate those nonprofits on a you know scale of uh, zero to four stars, four stars being the best. Mm. Guide Dogs for the Blind, um, I, you know, I'm very proud to say is a four star charity on Charity Navigator. Um, 80 cents out of every every dollar that's donated to us actually goes directly into providing programs and services wow. for clients. And so, I mean, that's, that's something that you want to look at because you want to make certain that every dollar that you give, again, is being efficiently and effectively used to execute on the mission that you, you know, are passionate about. Is that something, do you call and ask for annual reports? Are there development directors at these organizations that I can talk to and ask these questions of? Um, I would suggest exactly that, right? That you should, you should be able to um, access the website of a nonprofit. A good nonprofit will actually put their um, audited financial statements, as well as their 990, which is the equivalent of, you know, a tax return for a nonprofit that has a significant amount of information in it. Those should be on the website. Um, you, and, and the reason I say they should be is that you really want to be working with nonprofits that are willing to be transparent about what they're doing. Please do call please do call the, these, you know, the development director or the CEO um, and ask to, you know, how, you know, talk about um, how the donor dollar is being used and how effectively, you know, they are stewarding their gifts. I think this is so important to remember. Don't just respond to the first email or first call you get, right? Do your homework. If the organization is not willing to talk to you, that tells you something about how they may be responsible or responsive with your donor dollars. And don't just pick up every email that comes your way because unfortunately there are some scams out there too. You want to make sure that the nonprofit you're interested in is transparent and open and that you can find out how they spend their money and budget their money. It's not right or wrong. It just might not be used in the way you want your dollars spent. Well said, Polly. Well, hey, this is why I get paid the big bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> that brings us to the Simply Start segment where each week I talk about a practical way to get started. This week, I want you to do just what Chris suggested and get your mission in mind. What speaks to you? What do you care about? What makes a difference in your world? And then do a little homework. Start with a, a basic web search about organizations that might support that cause. Go to Charity Navigator online. Find some names and numbers and really look at how they're utilizing the resources. 
and then go from there and figure out what you can contribute, where your special talents lie, the resources, the time, the volunteer hours, whatever it is, and check in with that nonprofit and get started with asking good questions and, and getting involved. I think we can all do that this time of year and really all year round. We don't need to do this just in the winter season. But I'm wondering, Chris, what is on the Guide Dogs for the Blind wish list this year? Do you need money? Do you need volunteer hours? Is there any amount too small? I mean, sometimes I feel like, oh, there's so many big needs in the world and, and I can't contribute all that much. Does that matter? Oh, let me tell you, every single dollar makes a difference. Every single dollar. And I always think that what's important is that each one of us gives a gift that's meaningful to us. That's going to, that's going to differ. I received, um, now I, I start crying, sorry, <laughs> but I, you know, I received gifts from individuals, I will receive $10. I know that that is a big gift for somebody. And I know there mm -hmm. maybe even will not have dinner that night mm -hmm. so that they can make a contribution to guide dogs. That's a huge gift. That's just a huge gift um, because it's personally significant to someone. So I think every single dollar counts. That's you know um, what's important. Um, I, I will tell you at Guide Dogs for the Blind, trying, you know, we have continued to operate. We continue to train our clients. Um, things are more challenging during COVID right now. Because it's more challenging, it's more expensive. Um, you know, traditionally, in when it's, when it's not COVID, 80% of our clients are trained on our, our campuses. Um, 20% are, are trained in home uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, it's more convenient for our client. We have switched that model now hmm. because of COVID and because of that, um, that in-home training model is um, more expensive. So yes, on our wish list is um, financial support for um, the work that we do in addition to that, we have huge volunteer needs, particularly in the area of puppy raising, because um, that has to take place. If we're going to be training clients in another 18 months, we need to have puppies out in puppy homes right now being raised so that 18 months from now, um, we have dogs ready for the clients that need guide dogs at that period of time. So. Um, yes, those are, those are important needs for guide dogs right now. How can we help you? How do we get involved? Do we go to your website, guidedogs.com and sign up? Do we call the Oregon or California office? What do you recommend? Yes, please go to our website, um, guidedogs.com. You can, um, you can make a gift on our website. You can actually, uh, put in an application to be a puppy raiser on our website. Um, we currently are not, we also are always looking for campus volunteers. Um, unfortunately, right now during COVID, um, in order to create social distancing, we are not having volunteers on campus at the moment. But again, we are going to be out of COVID mm -hmm. in some time here. And we will continue to need volunteers who can help do our work on our campuses. So. All of that can be done on our website, guidedogs.com. 
guidedogs.com. That's the Simply Nifty segment this week. We can all make a difference and we need to take care of each other. There are good organizations out there doing this work every day. They have the infrastructure and the systems in place so that they can help a wide group of people. And your donation of volunteer hours or funding can help with that. So check out guidedogs.com. Apply to be a puppy raiser, learn more about the organization, give a gift any size, or find the nonprofit that speaks to you and donate your time and money so we can help each other out and make a difference in this world. I think this is a, a time for us to come back together after a real crazy year. If we've learned nothing else, we have to help each other out. And this is one way you can do it right now and give yourself the gift of that helper's high because you'll be making a difference out there. Chris, I want to thank you for taking time. I, I, uh, I love, I appreciate very much the work you're doing and your people. I know it's been an exceptional year and hard on everyone, but thank you for continuing with the mission. It makes a difference for the rest of us. Thank you, Polly. And thank you very much for all you do as well. You make a positive difference in this world. Well, so. thank you. We got to do it together, you know? We do. We do. <laughs> Listen, give yourself the gift of a helper's high by giving to others, even the smallest gesture. A flower to the lonely neighbor next door, a surprise delivery to someone you love, a $10 donation to Guide Dogs for the Blind, a $10,000 donation to an organization you care about. It all matters. So make this the season of giving. When we do that, we will all live well, do good and be happy. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.